Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and of course, you can find me at www.aboutsexpodcast.com or www.therapistinstlouis.com. Now, for today's episode, we're going to do a little something different. So I interviewed the hosts for Clitorally Speaking for my last episode, but they also interviewed me for their show. So what we're going to do for today's show is play the second interview that we did for Clitorally Speaking. So please enjoy. Hi, welcome to Clitorally Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily, how are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. I'm good. Thank you. I um, I have to admit, I just took a sip of wine, like as you were saying hello to me. So I was getting a little bit of a sip head start. and um, A little pre-sip? It, a little pre-sip. And it just made me feel extra good. It's, it, yeah. Nice. We're starting nice. this conversation on the right fantastic note. fantastic mm-hmm. well and it's been like a couple you know a couple of days a week since i've seen you here uh, uh across the internet waves um how how's it have been doing everything good yeah things have been really busy um i just completed this grant process with work so um i've uh, got an amazing team of researchers and scientists and doctors of rare and infectious diseases and all these incredible people that have come together, fashion designers and textile experts to try and invent a new mask. Um, oh, wow. That okay. will, you know, be more consumer driven, that will actually have antiviral, antibacterial properties. So that's been a project that, you know, since this whole thing came down a couple of months ago, um, has been an initiative that's been a part of the conversations at work. And um, we've now got the most amazing team of, you know, specialists from Washington University together. And so that's been pretty cool to see, you know, start, the, you know, seeing those yeah. conversations unfold and this amazing t- talent come around the table. So that's been pretty inspiring. Yeah, Yeah, I bet. I bet. And I bet it's really cool to to actually see like if somebody had this idea, what if we did this? And then now you are like making it happen and pulling all the people together to make it happen. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty, um, impressive. So, it's fun. It's really exciting. A uh, round of applause. Oh, Emily, right yeah. now. I'm honored very, very to be a nice, part of a very, project very nice. like that. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you? Tell me about yourself. How have you been? Uh, busy, you know, also with my, my work, um, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. we're, um, just trying to revamp policies and procedures and how things, um, how we conduct business, uh, bringing ourselves into the 21st century, if you will, because a lot of the technologies and things that we're taking advantage of now to do meetings and stuff like that wasn't around when the my office was first created. And so, um, so that's been a lot of brain work, but uh, exciting as well. So um, I uh, feel fortunate to be working and um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's good. And then, of course, you know, they're slowly opening things up here in St. Louis. And so, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that. I'm nervous about it. I'm not going to lie. I'm nervous. I think it's early. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Well, let's um, let's invite our guest and talk sure, a little bit about, about the wine card. And Absolutely. yeah, so we're welcoming sex therapist Angela Skirtu to the table today. Hello, Angela. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're we're delighted. So we've recently had the pleasure of being on Angela's podcast. What a delight that was! That was exciting. Yeah, yeah. She still likes us too. We didn't share. <laughs> we didn't share too much information. So oh, you uh, shared way too much information. But I was grateful. <laughs> <laughs> we like to put it all out there. Might as well. What else we are. are we going to do with our lives? Right. And uh, the podcast that um, Angela uh, has is called about sex podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, you right. can find that on all the major podcast platforms and mm-hmm. uh, as well. So, so anyway. yeah, so that was fun. And uh, we didn't drink on that show, but as you know, we do on ours. So let's, let's talk about it. Michelle, what yeah. are you drinking? So I am drinking a delightful cava that I found at the wine merchant and has been in my cellar and I've you know, put it in the refrigerator to get nice and cold. And it is um, Italian. It's Giocato, mm, and okay. um, I and a really sexy Italian man's pictures on the back, and mm. it says um, in Italian, "giocato" means to play, to have fun, and this is why they love this bright, vivacious, sparkling brute with aromas of fresh lime flowers and minerals. That and, sounds uh, really nice. It is delightful, and it's a method charmat. Is that the same thing as method chepinois? Or not. I am not familiar with that term, Charmant. It's a part of Sylvania, actually. So maybe oh. that is their maybe that's oh. their word. Maybe. Um but yeah, so okay. it's very good. So it's um I just figured, you know, a little a little sparkling today would be nice. A effervescence for those. I love the way it smells. Mm. Oh yeah. What's the price point on that? Um $14. Perfect. Can we see the label for those who are watching yes. us? Because yeah, I I'm, I want to know this lovely 14 like, box. Okay. So so I got on sale for 14. So that okay. but it was originally 17. So this is that tacky. Okay. See my see my <laughs> Okay. Delcato. Okay. Perfect. Kind of, All right. It's kind of like an orange label mm-hmm. the more I get away from the light. Yeah. Okay. It's good. So oh. I'm gonna do my best not to drink at all before the first 15 minutes are up. No judgment. No judgment. Yeah. <laughs> what are you having? <laughs> Judgment-free zone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm excited about this one. I've had this bottle for a very long time. This is a 2002. Um, it is the, the label. It's Madonna Confessions on oh. the Dance Floor. And so this was label. literally after the album, you know, kind of, um, Confessions on the Dance Floor that Madonna released in the early 2000s and they did this special release bottle for this. Um, it is a, a wine from Alexander Valley in Sonoma. And it was, I'm not exactly sure who the actual maker on this wine is a uh, limited first edition. That's all I can say about this. Um, I was a little worried when I opened it because the cork kind of fell apart and uh, it's from 2002 2002 yeah i've been hanging on to this for a long time and i just thought you know what it's time and one it's getting probably (laughs) past its time of prime and two i was like you know uh we're recording this on a holiday weekend i thought might as well kick it off right i'm gonna be staying in self-quarantine mode let's just 
enjoy myself. So right. here it yeah. is. So yeah. um, this is a Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, I, I'm very pleased with this so far. Um, I, and I've had it open for an hour. And it continues to develop and become more and more interesting with um, each minute as it sits. But I mean, it's it's got a lot, all that dark fruit on the nose, you know, that really dense, dark cherry and dark, um, you know, like black plum. And and there's a lot of kind of earthy mushroominess also on the nose. And um, there's a lot of, on the palate, mm. What's amazing to me is that there's still tannins on this in 2002, and it's still got tannic structure. So, like, I'm salivating since nice acidity. There's, again, all that nice, like, red fruit kind of stuff with a little bit of, um, just a little bit of texture on the back. I mean, this is a pretty impressive little wine. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm impressed that you, you know, left it for as long as you did. You know, I, we, we, we could talk on another episode about like how long to leave, you know, wines in the, in the cellar and, and, uh, things like that. Cause that always makes me nervous, you know, yeah. like, should I drink it now or should I wait, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I feel yeah. okay. Like on a bottle of uh, cava or sparkling to drink it now. <laughs> yeah, no, this <laughs> is this one's time to drink. This is, this is time to drink this one. It's going to start going over the hill pretty soon, yeah. but it's yeah. absolutely delicious now. So fantastic. Angela, what are you drinking? So I have a very awesome bottle that I got from the Walgreens on my way home. Ooh. <laughs> it's a Cavite Collection okay. Pinot Grigio 2019 Del Vinci. I don't even know okay. if I'm pronouncing it. But it does say excellence in Italian craftsmanship. And I wanted to do that in like more of a Midwestern accent. So it was more fun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it is imported from Italy. And nice. when I taste it, let's see. Mm. Definitely tastes like I'm going to get a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> the fuller the glass, the bigger the buzz. I know. Yeah. I have a full glass. I told them, I, I told you guys earlier that like the reason I filled it up is because I didn't want to keep pouring because I was like, won't that be distracting? But I think you guys make this more about wine than I thought. So <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. It's okay yeah. to take a little drink and be like, I'm going to take another sippy sippy. We're getting comfortable. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> totally fine. We love the wine part. It's the <laughs> lubricant for our conversation, really. Honestly, so, when I tell my partner to get me a bottle of wine, I say, just grab a cheap one. I don't care. Six bucks. Give me something. <laughs> and he's like, I appreciate that you like cheap wine, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> it's a selling point. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to I used to buy from the bottom rack at the grocery store until I met Emily. And then um, now I've uh, I've been... I've uh, been. She's uh, turned educated. you to the dark side. <laughs> she's she's definitely helped me find uh, ways to spend my money on wine, uh, but good wines too, you know. Um, and uh, and it's it's been good. I, I I actually appreciate all the education. I think I have uh, I have probably learned along with like seventy five percent of our listening audience <laughs> on wine. <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, stuff stuff of that nature, which is all right. So, um, but uh, we're just excited to have you on the show. We're going to drink our wine. We're going to talk about stuff and uh, yeah, uh, talk about you, Angela. Talk about what you do. Um, talk about sex. Talk about you know whatever whatever floats our boat. But one of the things that you said before we started, and I was like, we need to have we need to like start this off because you had gone to get some lipstick. 
So oh, you yeah. put on your and you made I wanted a to look as pretty as you ladies. You guys have your lipstick on. I'm like, damn it, I forgot to put makeup on. Ugh. Well, I have to have lipstick because my roots are so out of control. I gotta try and I distract. Them. I can't wait to get my oh. roots done. I'm so pissed off. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think last weekend when Great Clips, not that you guys go to Great Clips, um, Great Clips opened up for the first time. It you don't like, know me. <laughs> I'm not, I just, I'm not going to like assume. Uh, I'm just saying in general, the online wait was like an hour and a half, you know, when you like wow. registered online. And uh, yeah, so I thought I'm it like, was fuck pretty. It, I'm going to cut myself. <laughs> I, I fortunately have, you know, I, I got people, you know, that I, I, I see to Ooh. get my take care of yes. my hair. Yeah. Wow. My hmm. goodness. Well, so, so you want to talk, talk about, about makeup? <laughs> I want to talk about makeup. I want to talk about that thing that you, you brought up because I was fascinated. Okay. So for everybody who ever put makeup on, um, basically everything we do regarding makeup is to make us look like we just had sex and, um, think about this. Okay. So, I, and it's not just sex because, I mean, you can have sex and it can be crappy sex. We all know that. So it's like orgasmic sex. But when you become orgasmic, certain things happen to your face. Your cheeks get more red and puffy and your chest does too. So like think of blush. People use mm -hmm. sometimes put blush here and blush here. Every place you put blush is where you actually turn red after you have sex. And like the bedroom eyes thing, well, after you've had an orgasm, these lids sink in and they get That's kind crazy. of hooded. And wow. so the thing that you guys have, like I'm looking at Emily's makeup right now and you literally You've got your bedroom eyes on, right? And it's like yeah. you're doing your makeup to look like you've had sex because sex is sexy. That's why we do it. Wow. So it's a real tell. Like if somebody's like naturally, you know, mm -hmm. has you're like, the, oh, you just yeah. had a great O, didn't you? I'm so proud of you. <laughs> it's like, how can you tell? <laughs> no, I'm always like this. I always look like this. Oh, no, God. I didn't just have sex. Oh. You can look that way though after a good massage too. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but when I've had like a great massage, I feel like I've had an orgasm actually. <laughs> and I'm not saying they're doing a weird one either, by the way, like a normal. Yeah, yeah, it's not a happy ending kind. <laughs> But no, I, it feels I, like a happy ending anyways. <laughs> I had a great massage one time when I and I like when I got up to get, you know, dressed, I look, you know, look at myself in the mirror and I was like, I just looked like I had a like an hour and a half shagging session because my hair was all like must and I had the make mm -hmm. mascara was down and I was so relaxed. I was like, yeah, I just looked like I was, you know, taken to bed for a long time. And how do I explain this to my coworkers when I get back to the office? No, it was right. just a massage. It was just a massage. <laughs> no, just but you I, had an afternoon delight and you deserved it. <laughs> and I paid for it. Um, yeah, I so, don't want to say that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's like, you know, it's cool because, you know, it's nice when you can incorporate massage into like your own relationship, you know, and in, mm -hmm. in the bedroom and stuff. And I always loved giving massages when... Um, when I would be, you know, intimate with my, my partner or whatever, I'd love to, you know, rub the shoulders or, you know, just anything to make them feel more comfortable. And I have always liked to have the massage as well. Um, but what about you guys? Did you ever use like massage in your stuff when you're like, I mean, uh, for me, nasty, <laughs> no, no, it's definitely <laughs> like, like one of those obvious signs when a guy's like, you know, like early, like you're not even dating or you're just meeting a guy and he's, <laughs> he's like a waiter at the like, restaurant. <laughs> he's like, I just want to make you feel yeah, comfortable. He's like, <laughs> 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 yes. I mean, anytime they're like, would you like a massage? It's like, okay, buddy, I know what you're trying to do here. You know? Um, 
So I've definitely been on the receiving side of those tactics. Yeah. Um, I, I can't say that it's a regular practice in my household to be like, here, honey, give you a massage. Only when somebody's in pain are we, <laughs> <laughs> are we doling out the massages, but we should. Well, you know, yeah. I actually have a friend who has a massage table that they actually give each other massages in their home because it's just a way they take care of each other, which I thought was really sweet. Mm. I personally love massages. I, um, I think you should incorporate the whole body and sex. And, and I actually don't always think of sex as sex. I, so I have this phrase that I've been calling it, which is intimacy of some sort. There's my quote. Oh, I like that. Okay. Well, and why I call it that is that I think that, um, you know, there can be a lot of pressure around sex. A lot of people like we actually, in my episode a second ago, <laughs> we were talking about how people can feel like almost obligatory sex. Like you have to do this, right. but, um, with intimacy of some sort, my approach to this is like, let's be intimate in some way. Let's touch in some way, feel good in some way. And if it works its way into sex, fine. If it doesn't, how do we enjoy this intimacy as it is? And so some of my favorite forms of intimacy are the nap date, where you cuddle and you're just holding each other and rubbing oh. each other. And if mm -hmm. you fall asleep, cool. Like you, a good outcome could be napping. Like you could, mm -hmm. or you're like touching and holding each other. I had a Southern couple call this naked cuddles. And I use that as well. Cause it's so cute. Oh, it's that like, is oh cute. Like naked just naked. Yeah. It's naked because of the Southern accent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, you just, you just cuddle and hold each other. And actually I think this is a good date for the pandemic since, you know, we're in a pandemic. What else are you going to do? Let's nap and right. cuddle. But so like, yeah, I love, I love any kind of massage and touch that's like expanding sexuality from just this penis and vagina intercourse. Like right. that's fine, but there's so much more to sex that makes it fun that I think people are really missing. Well, I think it's the intimacy portion that you need to talk about intimacy of some sort that, um, that is so, so fulfilling in the heart. I mean, if we think about some of, you know, if we're watching movies, you know, sometimes the most romantic gesture is just that hand reaching out for the other hand and just, mm. it's just like a touch they're holding, right? They're not full on banging at that point in time. They're not making out or anything like that, but that, but that's just like that little bit of like, I'm here, I see you, I, I'm, I'm with you, right? And, mm -hmm. and we don't get that often in our regular day-to-day -day lives of just yeah. that, that, oh, I see you. I love just a random touch, like being able to just, just walk by your partner and just give a hug randomly or a touch or in, and I love when that happens. And I, I do recall in my previous life, you know, when I was married, you know, whenever my ex-husband would touch me, it was like an immediate, like, oh, this is about sex. Like he wants sex. Like he never just mm -hmm. came to hug me, to hug me or touch me, to just touch me in a loving way. It was always like, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> <laughs> do you think, do you think that's because most of like men don't know how to express emotion without it equaling sex? Like they may have been conditioned that, um, if they are showing affection when they're, after they've hit puberty and all that sort of stuff. I mean, yes, when they're little and they're young, they'll climb all over you and they'll hold you and they'll kiss your face because they love you, that kind of stuff. But when they get older at puberty, that type of expression is um, inhibited. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, and I wonder if we could do generations of, you know, future women a, a favor by helping men know how to be able to 
take the pressure off themselves. I just want to let you know, I see you. I love you. I don't want to have sex right now. I got to be honest. I think that it happens as a result of, um, people being in relationships too long. And it's more of an extreme cycle they get into because a lot of the men I talk to really do want that affection. Um, but because their marriage has devolved to the point where any touch is equated with sex that like I've had guys say, like, I really was just trying to touch her, like give her a kiss or just hold her, but she's shutting it down entirely. And so I think that it starts in that honeymoon period where people are doing a mix of both. But I think that over time, people don't realize that you really have to work at it. You, you have to work to keep that spark and excitement and intimacy up. And so after this two, so there's a six month to two year honeymoon period that people have. And it depends on a multitude of factors, you know, but basically that's the range. And then after that, if you just kind of let it do its thing, that it's kind of going to fall apart. And so couples who know that they have to keep that work going uh, don't seem to have the same problem as people who it just like hit them in the face. And then they suddenly like the typical strat or strategy and that strategy, like lane that people go is like they get married and they have that two month, two to, sorry, I, now I'm drinking. I six, always six trip on two, my words. Yeah, six months, two like, years. This is why I don't like yeah. to drink because I literally, I've had three <laughs> drinks and I'm already tripping on my words, right? So um, yeah, that six months to two years is gone and then they start to lose that desire and energy towards each other and they think, oh, well, maybe it'll go back. Maybe this is a phase. Maybe this is just a thing. And it's like, no, this is actually a natural progression in a long-term relationship where you have to start working at it more. But what'll happen with that, like where they're not, like they basically are so extreme that they don't want to touch each other anymore. They, they haven't worked at it. They, they're just so far away that like any touch is being equated with that even when somebody is trying to show affection. And I know quite a few men that want actual affection, like just touch connection, but because it's devolved to that point, um, their partner is seeing it one way and they're not talking to communicate that either. Like, that's why I get in there and I'm like, wait, what do you want? And he's like, I want the whole thing. I don't just want sex. I love her. I love touching her and feeling connected, you know? Is there, um, two quick questions. Is it, is it possible to get it back when it's gone that far? And then how, what are some tactics that people can um, embrace to do that work that you're talking about to keep that alive? So there's two routes um, that need to happen kind of together. So people have this misunderstanding that you have to feel close to have sex. And it's not true. You can actually do, you can either have sex to feel close or you can try to work towards feeling close to have sex. And usually what I do is I try to get couples on a parallel path of working on both, where it's how do we flirt again? How do we start talking about things that are erotic and turn-ons? But also on this side, how do we connect again? How do we feel close? How do we go on dates? How do we have those interactions? Like, I know this sounds weird, but like, part of podcasting that's cool is that we're actually just bullshitting with each other, right? Like this is a bullshitting conversation, but couples stop now you bullshitting. Ruined it for us, right? No. Now everybody knows it's just bullshit. No, but like, I don't think you understand. So like there's a, yeah. I can literally Value break down that. podcasts. There's bullshitting. And then there's like, we go to a deeper layer and then you get to the part where it's like, oh my God, there's some serious meat here, right? Like yeah. that's a therapy right. session yeah. too, by the way. Um, that's why I love podcasts and therapy. Um, but yeah, like people have stopped bullshitting with each other. They're only talking about like the to-dos. They're they're passing each other in the night, getting this shit done, get this stuff done. Yeah. 
And then suddenly it's like, they don't even know how to bullshit with each other anymore. The laugh, to flirt and to be playful. So like all of this stuff intertwines. Yeah. And that's why you have to work on both to get back. But it's not one versus the other. They're both just as important. Well, I'm going to drink some wine. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like getting over the, the, the change in my brain that bullshit's a good thing. She was like, this is just bullshit. I was, I immediately went to like the negative. Oh, that's just no, bullshit. But no, this is a no. good thing. It's talking, yeah. it's connecting, it's having right. fun together. Right. It's, right. Right. So, yeah. so it's just like, it, it was just a mindset change. A, a I different see. So way. I blew your mind. Blew my mind. So I'm just going to have a little oh, sip here. My yeah. Bullshit. You know, okay. I'm going to tell you something interesting about humor. So I've, I don't know why, but I study humor a lot because I, I can tell the difference in terms of how couples trust each other or don't trust each other based on how they take each other's jokes. I bet. Oh. And I know. Think about it, right? So you guys yeah. have yeah. a good dynamic. You trust each other. You can make jokes. You're like, oh, they're just playing. But like when jokes start to break down is when a marriage is breaking down because oh. you, you can't have that humor and it go across and be like, oh, you're just being silly. It's like, yeah. what are you saying? Why would you say that? Like, so the same sarcasm that would have been playful and fun is an attack. And that's like, that's one of the first signs I look for in the session when people are talking. It's like, can they bullshit? Can they laugh and play together? Or are they taking these jokes personally? And was that always the case or did that just change? You know, take them personally or maybe even just find them stupid. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, like, uh, another dumb joke. <laughs> another penis joke. Another boob joke. You know, it's like. <laughs> See, I love boob jokes. They're great. <laughs> At the end, towards the end of my, uh, my marriage, because my, um, my ex-husband likes to tell a story, tells a yarn, tell, and his jokes could take five minutes. And they get to be the point where like, yeah, and. Like wrap it up. And, uh-huh. and, like yeah. the sex, right? Wrap yeah. it up. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I didn't have that problem with the, with the sex, you know, it was more like, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't have time. I don't have time for all this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were first dating, I loved the stories and right. I could listen all the time. And, you know, I even like remind, Oh, tell me that story again. You know, that mm-hmm, one yeah. about that time, tell me that story again. And he would, you know, but that was not there at the end, but we had, you know, we had our first kid, two years into the marriage. And I wonder if that's common with, you know, like the honeymoon period, you said six months to two years, if a kid shows up pretty quickly too, at that point in time. Well, I mean, the kids show up all over the place, but I will say once the kid shows up, that's the first dip in the sex life. Like it's always because of, I mean, you got to think about the chemistry around it, right? So when a woman's breastfeeding, um, your brain is naturally sending chemicals to stop your sexual interest. Because if you think of this from an evolutionary standpoint, it's like, don't have another child. Your life will be really bad right now. You know, like, so there's a reason why we don't want to, why there is a low desire. But then again, because people don't know that that's happening, then they don't develop a process to work through it. Like the intimacy of some sort I was talking about earlier, people who do well through their pregnancies keep up intimacy of some sort where maybe they're touching each other. Maybe they're kissing. Maybe they're still like, I don't know. There's like mutual masturbation, something, you know, where they're learning to be sexual outside of the typical penis and vagina way. And those couples that keep that up will then not have the big dip. But the most common trajectory is they have the first kid, they have a dip, they struggle for a while, but then they're like, let's have a second kid. So the sex goes up a little bit, just a little bit for a time until they get pregnant again. And then after the second kid, it tanks. And that's when the sexless marriage starts for many people, not all people, but quite a few. Or the low sex marriage, low desire. 
Yeah. Um, and then, and then there's the, oh, wow. Uh, there was that birthday sex that led to the third baby. Oh yeah. The, the yeah. oops, the oops baby. Yeah. And I always, I always would joke yeah. uh, that, um, and I think they've heard it on the podcast before that um, I, uh, whenever I drank too much, I ended up pregnant. Oh, okay. So, so just three times. You only just three drank times. too much I only, three I times. I only drank too much three times. I ended up pregnant. So my choices were to quit drinking or quit the husband. <laughs> I think I think you did. I quit the husband. Right. Yeah, I, quit I the husband. clearly have never drank too much because you're still not pregnant. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm you guys, I good. don't know if the science backs all this, but you know, I know <laughs> I know that wine makes people flirty, you know, and the inhibitions go away a little bit. So, you know, you know, I get it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, wine, I am allergic to wine. It makes my clothes fall off. You know? <laughs> I actually had a family member. Oh God, it was like a great grandma or something. And like every time, so her husband was a pastor and every time he'd come back from revival, she'd be like, oh no, he's going to get me pregnant again. Like That's like a memory the children have of her. <laughs> she had, she also like, to be fair, she had 13 children. So like, oh my God. that really, that really was a thing. And she really didn't want to get pregnant. But like, that was the time where we were talking about obligatory sex before where yeah. like, you know, that's just what you did. And she didn't have a choice, you know? So yeah, oh she was really God. like, oh no, I'm going to get pregnant again. Not another one of these guys. <laughs> well, they did say, they did say that prior to the introduction of the, of the birth control pill in a woman's lifetime, she could carry or have 12 children in her childbearing years. On mm -hmm. average, a woman could have 12 children. Well, yeah. She had 13. And she had 13. I know people Any that twins have in there? 13. One, I, no, no twins, but the one right in the middle did pass away um, from some sickness because they were a poor family too. So only 12 survived to adulthood. What did you say, Emily? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I grew up with a, a family that had 13 kids. And man, I felt like, I felt like her mom, my friend's mom, was always pregnant. It was like, it just was this constant state of being for her, you know? I just think it seems exhausting. Can't imagine making a baby for, you know, that long. 13 times. Right. Yeah. That's most of your adult life. I mean, like. Right? <laughs> Yeah. 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 And then, and then your uterus falls out one day, <laughs> one day you're just like walking out on this, you know, gardening or something. And you're like, Oh, that's the uterus. Okay. Oh, well, I'm thank done. Thank God it's gone. Thank God for that. <laughs> just buried along here. The, the yeah. flowers. You know yeah. I've only been pregnant once. I only have one kid. And actually after it, I was like, yeah, this is good. I'm good. I don't need any more. I, and I'm also a businesswoman. So I think that's part of it too. Is like, I've got other shit to do. Like, I'm cool. You're a kid. We're going to do this. But beyond yeah. that, I just, I never wanted more. I mean, I yeah. did before I had a kid, but then once I had a child, then I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I always, it's so funny. Like, I always, as, as a young person, always thought I would have kids someday. I just always did. I, I loved playing house as a kid. I, you know, I, I was babysat from the time I was 12 and took care of kids every, you know, all the time. And I just always thought I would. And then when I was married, it just never was the right time. And it never, it didn't feel like it was the right time. And, you know, I traveled all this a lot and, and then it just kind of became clear. I didn't want to have a kid with him. And then, you know, but I, then I, I, I never stopped thinking, well, maybe someday if the, 
you know, it may be, maybe, but I've never put pressure on my life to make it happen. Like I've never said, okay, I'm in my mid thirties. It's time to get cracking if I want to have a baby. And, oh, I'm in my forties. Uh Oh, you know, like I've just never put pressure on myself about it. And I'm glad I haven't. Um, but you know, it is something like, I'm definitely like past that period of, you know, I probably could with the, you know, bringing science to the table <laughs> if I wanted to, you know, I had, I have a but, friend who has a three-year-old and she just turned 50, her first right, baby, she uh, yeah. wanted it. And she did have to, oh, she did you. use science with that. But yeah. I was like, when I visited her and I was like, so you have a three-year-old and you're like mm-hmm. a year younger than me. I have a friend wow. that had twins at 50, at 50, Ugh. she at had twins. 50. Yes. This sounds horrible. This sounds like a horrible life choice. Right, right. I mean, I'm sure they're very grateful for it, but like, I don't know. You know, when you said, Emily. That's tough at 50, I would think. Yeah, I think so. I think it would be hard, but I guess it depends on how healthy you are. You know, Emily, you know, you said you didn't put pressure on yourself. I don't think I put pressure on myself. I think my body did. Like I, it was weird. I switched to my 30s and like, it was like a switch happened. And I was like, this is your chance. Don't blow it. <laughs> and I didn't, I had yeah. before then I was like, will I have kids? Will I not? I don't know. We'll see what happens. But like, it was weird. I, I had a real a physiological physical change. Yeah. Like That's my body wild. was like, do this, do it now. You're going to lose it. What are you doing? What are you? It was weird. I don't know. Wow. I, just, I, I n- never had that. So, <laughs> you know, I, oh, interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I think there are a lot of women that, that do have that. Michelle, you, you. Three times. Yeah. You've had it three times. <laughs> did your body ever say it's, you know, let's I do this. I can't recall. There was a lot of drinking involved. Um, you probably didn't have to think about it, I guess. No. And I was, so I was 26 when I had my first child and we were, had been married a couple of years and I was like, Hey, it's time for us to have a baby. I, you know, it's more like, this is, this is the plan. This is the path you follow. You've been married a couple of years, time to have a kid. And uh, so we had our, our first child um, who's now 25. How long did it take you to get pregnant? With her? With your, with your, yeah. A couple of months, you yeah. know? Not, not, not long at all because I was my, I was younger, you know, everything, yeah. everything was mm-hmm. fresher. And then, um, but then I, I was like, there was you no were a way. a fresh bottle of wine, not the one that's been aging for 20 years over here. Yeah, I was not, I was not Madonna. It's some time to warm up here. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody had to air me out, you know, for me. Um, and so, uh, then on the, our second child, our first son, he's, I mean, all my children are four years apart. So I think there was some kind of, some, some kind of cycle within me that when they were out of diapers and then I had a two, two years of, you know, fun with them, there was like a desire to have another child. And so then we, it took me a little longer with the second child to get pregnant. Um, and, uh, and he just turned 21 and then, honestly, I thought I was done. I really did um, because I had a I had a boy and a girl, and they were both born in the same month. I mean, it was very planned. You know, it was a spring baby. You know, I like to have sex in July so I can have a baby in in April. You know, that kind of stuff. Because the women who have children in August, more power to you. Because I can't imagine being pregnant through oh the summer. Oh my god, that's like yeah. sounds miserable. Um, so I definitely, you know, kudos to you. And then the youngest um, was a surprise again four years later, but a surprise, um, and he was the result of a, a birthday sex. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn birthday well, it's, sex. <laughs> it's your birthday. But he, but the youngest is, you know, definitely a joy. And I can't imagine my life without any of the kids. But I also never imagined my life with kids. I always had a vision of myself as being somebody that had a business, a job, traveled, you know, but didn't have children. So the fact that I have three is incongruent with my childhood vision of myself. That's crazy. We had you know, the you, we had the exact opposite dreams as children. <laughs> and now we I have know. the exact opposite lives as adults. Right. Well, you know what's right. weird about that though? Like why why do women feel like you can't have both? <laughs> you know, like I kind of I felt that growing up. Like part of the reason why I probably didn't want to have kids is that I was like, no, I want a career. I want to have life experiences and I don't want kids to hold me back. But like I think a lot of women feel like kids hold them back, but men don't have that feeling. Like, I don't oh, think men ever think kids true. are going to hold me back. They're just going to do their thing. <laughs> well, I, right, think, I right. think part of that's because, especially in this age where women are, you know, women are working, you know, and 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 primary household contributors and um, you know, that shift has happened, but the shift in the expectations of a woman's role in the family hasn't completely shifted. So, you know, she is still expected to, um, when she comes home from her high power job to make sure there is food in the refrigerator and dinner on the table and the laundry is done. And, you know, we call it the house the CEO. Are, You're the house right. CEO. Your job, your job is to organize all of that and still lead at home, which in a company would have been like a full time job, by the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Men do yeah. not have that same the same thing. Like men get to come home and okay, maybe they mow the lawn, you know. Or they say, <laughs> they How can I help you? But they don't right. initiate it. <laughs> right. Not all so, of them. The, Not all when you of say, them. When you say, hey, <laughs> hey, the trash needs taken out. And they're like, I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like, feel like that is my reality. <laughs> I will ask. I will. I will ask, you know, the, I will ask for the garbage to be taken out. And because I ask, it won't get taken out for days. Like, it's like this whole reaction. Yeah. It's like, you know. Uh, it's a control thing, right? Well, I want to be in control of making the decision when it's time to take out the trash. (laughs) I told my sons one time I was hot and I was angry because I, you know, the house, the trash, something like that. Or, and I said, if I have to tell you or ask you to take the trash out, it's already too late. (laughs) Yeah. That's some stern parenting. (laughs) If I have to tell you that you need to mow the lawn, I'm already pissed. Because it sounds like you want them to take initiative. I think that was my problem. So I'm now in a really great partnership. And actually, he does a little more than me, which is super exciting. Like my my, (laughs) I have an all-female family except for some of the guys. And they were like, he's doing more than you. And I was like, isn't it wonderful? Oh, raising, so the, raising the bar for your sisters and their oh husbands. Oh my goodness. I was all I was I was just very grateful to hear my sisters say that to me because like this is the thing. So anybody can be anything. Like guys can be just as effective as women. People can be, you know, high powered, yeah. whatever, like good in the, the home. So like I've seen everybody in every which way. But the reality is it's more stereotypical for women to feel like they're doing everything and for their men to be asking them for help. And my hard thing as a therapist has been like, what do I do to help this woman like get more help? 
because the reality is she's doing it all. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing this thing of, Hey, you know, like you're going to have to like bite the bullet and just tell them what you want. Cause most men, I mean, I know what you're talking about a little bit with Emily with like this control thing, but quite a few men are just like, just tell me what you want and I'll do it. But like (laughs) the reality though, is that women are resentful of that because that still puts them in that CEO role where they have to do it all. Like I have to manage it. I have to designate. Why am I the CEO? Why are we not as a partnership? And so I've struggled as a therapist with like, how do I get her the help that she needs, which he says he'll do it if you ask. And so can you just ask, or do you just like stay resentful and be angry about the fact that he's just not going to do it? He's not going to intuit it. So I'm loving yeah. Michelle that you're saying at least you better intuit this shit or I'm going <laughs> to kick your ass. I mean, you didn't quite say it like that, but you know what I mean? I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's if like, I, please intuit. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. My, I think the final straw was one winter and it was a, it was a February snow. And I think it was two years after I'd finished cancer, uh, chemo treatment. And, um, and I waited all day, all day. My, my, my one son had, you know, gone, done what he was going to do. And the other son was playing in the neighborhood. And around four o'clock, I finally put my, put my gear on and I went outside and started shoveling the driveway and the walk. And then they come out, they're like, Oh mom, what are you doing? We'll do that. Why? You know, and I stopped and they said, this is the last day I am ever shoveling the snow. As long as you two live in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I would have so used chemo against them all the time. I'm doing chemo. (laughs) I was was post chemo. So they knew that, but I said, I said, all of our neighbors know that I have two able-bodied sons who did not do the long, do, shovel the snow today. I said, and if I, I said, and if I'm out here, it's too late. You know, mm-hmm. well, I was going to get to it. If I'm out here, it's too late. So, and, and fortunately since then they took that to heart and uh, I haven't had to shovel snow or mow the lawn or things like that. But it was almost like, I, and maybe it was easier for me to say that to my sons because they're my, you know, the biological, they're my kids versus how I could have said that to my ex-husband. Well, it's different. It's a power dynamic, right? Like you can tell your kids what to do, but in a partnership, you're supposed to be able to ask. It's not a demand. It's like a, Hey, could you please, this would mean a lot to me. And so it's hard because sometimes they're being dicks and you're just like, can you help me out here? And yeah, it doesn't well, go do you, that and, way. And how do you not take a rejection when you say, if you please, can you help me? And they don't. And they say, nah, I'm not going to do it. I mean, that, that like hurts your soul. That that's a rejection of, uh, of a request of, that's why I'm old. divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest, right. I think it's your partner. Like I, I, I'm so grateful I'm with a partner I am today because like I did feel that sense of like, okay, I could get help, but I had to ask and like, I had to still had to do it all. Like it was all me. I had to like, I was, I had a business, but I was paying people to do stuff at home because he wouldn't do it. And I was pretty angry about all of that stuff. And I think I've started to think, or I started to just believe that, there are some partners that are worth being with and there's some that aren't. And one of the things I've been talking about a little bit this week with clients is does a partner add to your life or subtract? Mm. And long ago, my partner was subtracting. He really was. Mm -hmm. Like I just felt like I was breaking and losing and losing. But like right now, it, it is amazing to me that he intuits it before me. He and I are having these conversations where it's like, what are we gonna do this weekend to like make sure we're doing all these parts? And it's it's not this push and pull, it's not a fight. It really is 
where we were both, but it was interesting because we both had relationships where we were the ones that did everything and we had partners that, you know, mm-hmm. did their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like that just kind of, well, yeah, took that subtracted. And so I think we're both very type A. Um, and there's pros and cons to that too, because then like you've got two type A'ers, right? So like, you know, there's definitely, well, he, we had a discussion about what's the right way to fold towels. I've never had a discussion like that with a man before wow. in my life where it's like, well, how do you fold your towels? Well, I do them this way. Cause I was taught the hotel style. And he's like, well, I do them this way. Cause I like the way it looks. And I was like, I'm okay with you having a way to fold towels. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was, yeah. You know, part of me wonders, I think you're, you're, you know, Angela, you're right. You know, sometimes there's just partners that aren't right for you. Right. But, but, um, and there are people who subtract, but I also, I think that there's, there's a shift happening, thankfully. And Michelle, you know, you're raising your sons or have raised your sons the right way by teaching them how to think more intuitively, you know? Um, but, but you know, I think like, you know, my, our generation, you know, we're, we're kind of this bridge between these ideas about culturally what's right, you know? So like, you know, our moms were, maybe some moms worked, a lot of the moms didn't, you know, those, those more traditional roles were still more popular in our culture. And then there's been the shift, you know? And So I think about like my husband grew up in a family where the mom was at home and it was, she was the home CEO and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, she took care of everything for the family. And even when we would go home for, you know, to, to, to visit, to visit, you know, his family, like his mom would do everything for her son. And, and, (laughs) and so she created this environment that made him think that this is what a household is supposed to be. The, the woman is supposed to do the laundry. The woman is supposed to cook. The woman, you know, and, and the, you know, so that created this idea about what a healthy marriage looks like, a happy household feels like, all of that. So I think we're in this, this generation that we're kind of on the fence of these cultural ideas. Now things have shifted, you know, and are continuing to shift. But I think that that you know, finding the partner that fits with your idea of <laughs> what your home should feel like. I don't know. I, there's a lot of I think it's hard either way. Cause like you said, there's ways you're modeled, right? You grew up mm-hmm. and this is how it was done. There's people who are newer, like trying to do the more egalitarian thing. Let's put this up. But then they're having sex problems because there's a little bit, this is a weird side note. Traditional okay. roles make people a little more hot sexually because of the masculine and the feminine. There's something really oh. hot about the hypermasculine and hyperfeminine. So let's talk about that. So, okay. well, what is hotter than a man throwing you against the wall and just giving you a deep hot kiss? It's a very masculine thing to do. It is. You're yeah. like, oh my God, you're coming in your pants right now. You know it. I, yeah. I need, <laughs> to, I need to have another drink of my, yeah. my, my yeah, but like, so now. That's a very masculine thing. And like in these egalitarian relationships where the guy and the girl are trying to like really work on it. And these are guys who are, they're woke. They're woke men. Okay. (laughs) Like I'm in these relationships, you know, I, my tagline is I open bedroom doors because I literally spend all day working. I know. I love it too. I love it. I love it. I love it. I actually learned (laughs) that I came up with it at a business conference, which is so weird, but whatever. Um, So anyhow, 
Yeah. Like, so they are, they're very woke. They really care about like, I don't want to come across as one of those guys, but then they actually struggle to do that piece because it's like, that's something evil. So they, they really struggle, like take charge, which is a thing that at our very like core, we like it. Like I said it and you guys were like, Oh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Like you just feel it. And so I don't, and I'm not saying we need to stay traditional because I hate that shit. I am a businesswoman and I ain't doing yeah. none of that crap. But I think it's just a hard balance to find like how do we how do we become these egalitarian couples that are really helping each other and being partners, but still give this freedom to be dirty animals, dirty hot fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> because you can be so woke that you can't be inappropriate. Weird. Oh wow. Right. Yeah. There's some dilemmas there. I know. The world's crazy. Yeah. This is why I have a job security. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be a natural kind of on the pendulum swing that we go from one extreme to the other? And mm-hmm. so we have to find our way back to a balance, you know, so that you can be egalitarian. You can, you can intuit that I live in this house as well. And the snow came down and I, I, I should go out there because I because I'm a part of this household and uh, and 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 shovel the snow. That's a kind thing to do for my partner, um, or or take the, or, or brush the snow off of her 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 car and get it ready for her. Just mm-hmm. because I want to take care of her, that doesn't mean she's weak. It just means that I'm I'm wanting to take kind care of loving her. gestures, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. thoughtful gestures. Right. Well, right. and that goes back to the thing I was talking to you guys about earlier, where there's got to be two parallel paths. So the one parallel path is how do you create that partnership that's strong where people are connecting? There's just this sweet tenderness of like, how do we take care of each other? How do we support each other? You have to work on that. But then you also have to work on the raw, the dirty, the gritty, the fun. Like um, I always say, you sometimes do want to be disrespected, but in the right way, you know, like not that you really, I'm not saying you don't want to be disrespected, like you're a bitch, but like, "Mm, I'm going to push you down. Like, you know, like yeah. there's, some, yeah. there's some sexy disrespect that can go down and maybe yeah. that's the not, not the rightest way to say it, but it's just, you kind of well, have to help play. couples work on both. Yeah. And that's I'm saying play. playfully, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's okay. It's okay as a woman to, um, to be feminine, ultra feminine in the bedroom. And that doesn't mean that you have, are showing a sign of weakness in your in your life, right? It doesn't mean that you are um, uh, a second uh, or the this the second sex. So is that the weaker sex? You know, just because. Oh yeah, no, whatever no, that, no, whatever no. that. We have all the power in our be- boobs, <laughs> like all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And so men, men will complain that when they go out uh, in a group, that they they never know. Like they're single guys, they're going out for a night with the guys, and they never know if they're going to get laid. They never know. And they're like, it's all you, you know. And I mean, I know when I would be going out with my girlfriends, I'm like, tonight I'm getting laid. It's I mean, possible. what about you? I mean, like it, <laughs> and it's like, and it would happen. It would be like, I know tonight I'm going to get laid. Because you're the person who gets to say yes or no. Guys aren't. They're the ones who get rejected. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they're like, they have no clue until you're like, you know, you, 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 you uh, flirt with them across the bar or something like that. And now they're like, me, mm. no, <laughs> um, and then you know, but I was like, really, you never know, you're going to get laid. That seems odd. I always they do. don't. 
They don't actually. And that's what makes it hard for them too, because they've been told to be very masculine and hyper, you know, we got to do this, but then actually to be a good lover, you have to read your cues from your females because we're the ones who say yes or no in this world. We really do. Um, unless you're a terrible person and you're raping people, like that's a different story, yeah. but, like, <laughs> yeah. like, but right, so, right. like they, they do. And like in these relationships long-term, if women don't develop their sexual prowess, their own language, then what, where they struggle. So it's not about being hyper feminine, like, Oh, I just got to wait meekly. No, I mean like, like owning your femininity, owning your sexuality, then creates these good sexual dynamics where it's like, he can actually take cues from you. But like a lot of guys, even in marriage are like waiting. I've had guys who would say (laughs) they would put their toe next to their wife's toe. And if she didn't like touch toes, he would reject himself. He's like, okay, sex isn't happening. And like, that's, that's how, that's how nuanced these conversations are that I have to like draw out of people. So why I'm so weird and inappropriate, by the way, is that like, you have to be like, I have to say weird shit to help people get out of themselves because, because they can't talk. They don't even have words to say, like to communicate what's going on here. Like some guy, he said, yeah, I'll just touch her toe. And if she doesn't touch it, then I think she's not interested. And I'm like, did you know that? I say to his wife, like, did you know that he's doing that? And she's like, no, I had no idea. I was just busy sleeping. <laughs> so so he's got this whole inner story he's whole telling thing. himself that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. oh my God. And everybody's doing it all the time. This is why yeah. like, we need comprehensive sex education and people better at communicating about sex because yeah, you guys have these stories and you're not always right. Like, uh, cause that's my job is to poke holes in your stories mm-hmm. and help you see differently. Cause like a lot of people are making these assumptions that are completely false. Guys don't just want to fuck you. They want you to love the fucking that you're doing. They want you of to course. care about them. They would love for you to touch their penis and enjoy it. Like, Oh my God, right. this is the most beautiful penis in all the land. <laughs> <laughs> They want to believe it. They don't want a fake porn story. They really want you to, to love yeah, them and to love course. their penis. <laughs> right. And love the penis too. Yeah. And, and, and usually, so usually at the start of <laughs> a relationship, penis. you do love it. You're like, that's the best penis I've ever had in my life. You know, it's like, how do you, I think it's, I think it's, people have got to be honest about the work that it takes in a relationship to continue to love that penis. Right. That's true. <laughs> continue like, to this- love it. Oh, I love that, Michelle. Ever. This is this is what makes me love your penis. When you take the trash out, <laughs> and when you do the laundry, and you know it's crazy. Like that's that's every woman. Every woman says that it's like when he's helping. When I feel like I have a partner, I do love his penis more. And when he doesn't, I hate it. I want it as far away from me as possible. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's why the pandemic has shut vaginas down across the nation. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's shut it down I, 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 in a lot of ways. I mean, because think about, we were just talking about going out and being like, hmm, I'm going to go get laid tonight. That's not happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? Certainly. Certainly. It's quite inappropriate for me to be like thinking that way on my front porch, you know, like I am neighbors. <laughs> right. no. It depends not, on if you're an exhibitionist. <laughs> not. I'm not an exhibitionist. Uh, you know, I am looking forward to the No judgment. To the time when I, when my I'm children. Like, I am. No. Aren't, well, right. But I've been living with kids. I've been living with kids for the last 25 years, right? Oh, no. There's, it comes a time when you can't walk around naked anymore. It's fine when they're like little and they're all, everybody's running around naked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they're like they mom they do that don't they time. <laughs> comes a time when they're like yeah that is not good for me to be walking around naked and uh, now i have to i i live on I mainly reside on the second floor of the house and my uh, youngest resides in the basement. We meet in the main level, but uh, sometimes he'll be coming up the stairs. I'm like, Oh no, 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 stop. You know, Cause I'll be in a room naked. I'm like, no, no, you're not supposed to be up here yet. He's like, okay, let me know when it's safe to come up there. I'm like, this is my, it's my domain. Mm-hmm. But when the kids are, your apartment, gone. his apartment. Right. You know? but, when, yeah. but when when the kids are gone or like when I'm finally, uh, he's I don't off know, I think you should stuff. take back ownership. Be like, look, if, if you come here, you better assume I'm naked. You should always <laughs> assume I'm naked walking around because this is my place. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a really good point. Naked zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I tell couples that. So like a lot of couples are so worried about privacy with sex. And so one of the things I tell them is like, you know, your kids have a natural disgust factor for your sex life, right? So what you need to do is just say, hey, if this door is closed, just assume we're having sex. Assume it every time. So you know what will happen? They'll never knock on your door again. It really (laughs) will be an emergency if they do, because they do not want to hear it. They don't want to like know anything about it. And so like, you know, some of them take me up on the offer, but some like, you know, then there's the shame or working through it. Where I'm like, oh, sex. Uh, you know, like people Our have a lot of stories. kids can't know we have sex. Yeah. It's like, you know, they do. And they just put headphones on. Don't listen. <laughs> they're grossed out. <laughs> oh, I, rem- I remember like uh, trying to go to my parents' room one time and the door was locked, which was like odd. I'm like the door's yeah. locked. And I like knocked. <laughs> I knocked. And I heard my mother go say, Go away, Michelle. <laughs> Ooh, that was serious. Wow. She was Go getting away. her own. <laughs> exactly. I think she was, you know, get, get She's like, her I'm own. close, Michelle. Get out of here. <laughs> Go away, Michelle. I only don't get ru- one of these a year. <laughs> don't, don't ruin this for me. Get away. Go away, Michelle. And I was like, oh, I love it. Walking away. All right. No, you know what actually happened? He's like, you tell her. And she's like, you. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I hate you. Now get it done. <laughs> Go away, Michelle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what happened. That was the conversation. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That was uh, just one so of the- inappropriate. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what we do when we drink wine with our friends. That's you know, right. We talk about a variety of things. Um, did you ever wa- did you ever actually walk in on your parents or did that, thankfully, that locked door? That was the locked door. Yeah. And what it- about you, Angela? I don't remember walking in on them. And actually yeah. my parents divorced when I was five and neither of them ever remarried. So I just wow. didn't have an opportunity after that. Interesting. Emily, you? Uh, no, no. I, I remember uh, uh, walking in like on my dad when he had just gotten out of the shower, you know, and I've he was that. so freaked out by that. He was like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> which I mean, I think if the fact that he freaked out made it worse, like if it would have been like, whoops, I would have been, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal, you know? Um, but uh, no, no, I, the door was locked a lot. I'll tell you that. So um, what about uh, like roommates? You know, I remember when I was in college, my roommate and her boyfriend were really, really loud. Okay. So loud. And there was always like the moaning and the panting and I would be, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I would just have my book trying to study. Oh my God. <laughs> Get your highlighter out, and then, and then I was I would get to I would be able to start to tell the uh, like the the breathing. Oh, it's almost done. 
It's mm. almost they're, like, they're getting there. They're almost they're there. Getting there. <laughs> they're getting god. there. Oh my god. I have one horrible story. Like I was I had this friend in college and like we had gone to her some guy she was sort of courting, you know, his house. And so we were all hanging out in the bed just watching a show. And like I knew that they were like, so we were all just watching. Like it was like, you know, like one of those pull-out beds. We we're all just hanging out, laying. And like I was just relaxing. But I knew they were doing their thing. So I was like, whatever, I'm going to watch the show and ignore this thing that's happening right next to me. <laughs> it's not happening. And then like he, I didn't, I was like, I was very confused. And he kind of moves his hand behind his butt and tries to like grab my hand. Oh and my gosh. Like, and I, I didn't know what was going on. And yeah. so like part of me was just like, I'm curious where this is going. Yeah. And he takes my hand and puts it on his and I didn't know this this had happened because I again I was like ignoring I'm like all right they're doing their thing he puts it on his bare ass and I didn't know his oh, ass wow. was bare at the time and I was like ah! like and I just like <laughs> moved it and I was like ah but then I didn't move because it was so <laughs> weird I was like I thought I thought we had an agreement here I'm gonna watch while you guys fuck each other why am I involved in this now <laughs> <laughs> Well, and he wanted to find I, out I, the re- resolution of the movie. It was like at a good plot point, probably. He thought we were having some threesome that just wasn't occurring. And so like, he okay, so he he got the message. He, he left me alone. But later, I was telling my friend, I was like, he tried to get me to touch his ass. And I, she was like, I didn't know he did that. I wondered what his hand was doing. And I was like, I didn't like that. And I don't know what to do in these situations. <laughs> But she would always get me into weird shit like that. You know, whatever. It's fine. (laughs) I lived and learned. You don't stay in the same space. You give yourself like some six feet distance. You should have moved to the recliner. I didn't didn't know You should have moved to the recliner. I I I was just like shocked. (laughs) Right. Oh, wow. Weird shit. It was college. (laughs) One morning, um, I was getting ready. I was getting, going to my car. Mm -hmm. It was spring. And I heard... I heard this screaming and and I thought that I was a, a neighbor was having was like hurting herself oh until I listened a little longer and it was like oh I'm actually listening to my neighbor have an orgasm right now okay I guess I'll just get in my car <laughs> Oh, she just is really enjoying herself. Oh, okay. It was quite verbal, quite vocal, quite loud. And I'm like, all right, I'll just let me just get in the car. Because obviously I'm invading your space. I'm in my driveway. (laughs) You know, it's like I wasn't on the bed. I was in my driveway, but I felt like I was intruding. You know, you can't be embarrassed about that. I mean, clearly, if they're being loud enough, to be heard it you know in the neighbor's yard it's that's on them it's not on you like i wouldn't feel mm-hmm. at all embarrassed about hearing well it. well and i and part of me was really impressed because it was an older couple oh Ooh. i was like wow. i am impressed too i'm like you yeah. guys are enjoying yourself good for you guys all right <laughs> yeah. i was like oh. interesting nice okay How there's hope. old like um 70s okay that's normal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of my first stories I uh, read to become a sex therapist was about aging sex. And it was so sweet. They showed, um, 
I mean, they didn't show it, but they told you the story of this old couple that would get in a rocking chair. Like he would sit down and she would sit on top of him and they just rocked together. Like that's how they had sex. Cause like their hips weren't great. And you know, <laughs> but like, that's what I was, I always think about intimacy of some sort being like, use what you have, use the apparatus you have. He couldn't do that. Like, I don't know, like we've, we're not men, but like what I've learned is there's a lot of hip action involved. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's a lot of work, but if you have a little thing helping you out and so, yeah. you know, it's funny, but like, really, I, I was, I was surprised, but at the same time, I'm, I'm always proud to hear that people are having sex in their seventies, eighties and nineties and still kicking it. Cause it's like, you know what? I think I want to die having sex. I think I, that would be a great way to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember. It's good one for you. Not so great for the other person, however. Well, maybe they'll feel like, well, I killed her. She <laughs> had the best <laughs> orgasm of her life. <laughs> uh, I, I took him out. I took him out with my prowess. <laughs> bang, bang. Choo-choo. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, my my grandmother when she had, uh, when she uh, remarried her second husband and the uh, this would have been, she married, she got married in 81. So this would have been 15 years later. She and I were talking about it and I was like, well, how did you, you know, when you met him and, and she was like, well, you know, he had a really good back. That was my grandmother's code for, you know, the sex was good. And she's like, you always have to make sure that they have a very good back. They have great like, thrusts. Yeah. 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 And, apparent, and apparently they continue to have sex until like six months up before she passed at 94 years wow. old. Wow. Good I know. for them. That's hot. And one, <laughs> and one time, and I, so, you know, towards the end, you know, grandma sometimes would, you know, not like, I don't think she, she didn't have, she didn't die of dementia, but, you know, sometimes things are changing and she's like 94 and. And um, I remember my aunt telling me a story about she was there helping them and grandma and grandpa were sitting in their little rocking love seat. You know, they have those lazy boy rocking love seats. Um, We're also there like individual recliners, but it's connected, you know? Yeah. And my aunt came out from the little condo kitchen and she walked into the, into the living room and my grandmother had taken off her top and she's sitting there naked well, you know, her top is down and no bra on and her boob, her breasts were hanging pretty low. And, and my grandfather was like, I don't know why she does that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why she does that. It's like, I think uh, grandma wants to get laid still, you know, like even yeah. though the, the maybe. mind, she's like, all right, you're in she's this like, rocket yeah, chair with me. Like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was definitely, uh, um, uh, encouraging to hear Mm -hmm. that, you know, sex was still going to be possible, you know, all everything, you know, without issues, you know, because of the genes that like, I could still do it in 94, Mm -hmm. 95, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Angela, you were, you, you were talking with us the other day about these um, nursing homes and, and senior Mm -hmm. citizen communities that are just like, (laughs) <laughs> rampant with sex. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. I said. It's like, you know, as I age, I would really like to be in one of those communities. I think at that point, I'm just going to be polyamorous and have sex with multiple people. Right. <laughs> because uh, right. why not? I got nothing else to do. <laughs> it's not like you're going like to get pregnant, right? I know. Yeah. And if I get an STD, I'm dying soon anyways. Yeah. <laughs> right. I often wonder why they why they segregate the men and the women in the nursing homes. Yeah, it you know, really they, make sense. Like the like this is a men's room and this is a women's room. And I remember visiting my um my grandfather when he was in the nursing home and like 
this woman in her wheelchair, you know, she would just like wheel in the guys' rooms and the nurses were like, you know, Betty what Sue, you know, you can't be in here. And it's like, I was like, why not? Why does it matter? Yeah. Why does it matter? Well, you I know? don't think all of them do that. I know some of them. I, you know, it probably depends on how conservative the city is, but I mean, we're, I actually, part of my, spe- so I'm a speaker too. I do like multiple things. And one of my speaking jobs is to go into nursing homes and educate people about aging oh, sex and what things cool. they can do to be more open and accepting, you know, and some of it is just putting a bowl of condoms out because yes, I joke like I'm dying anyways, but the reality is they could live for a long time. You don't want an yeah. STD if you can avoid it. So having condoms yeah. out, having conversations around, you know, how do we give people privacy? Um, sometimes that's the problem is the nursing home isn't giving people privacy. privacy. Yeah, but you can, like, it depends on the culture of the nursing home. And what's cool is I'm in this aging community now where I get to talk to people about how are we going to help people have better sex? Because the reality is here's, here's my stance on sex. I mean, I've got a lot of stances, but like, apparently a lot. A a stance on sex. It's just one of the like 50, right? But like, (laughs) No, like that sex makes people happy. Like I think people's happiness is very closely tied to their ability to have good sex. Because if you think of all the things you need to do to have a good sex, you need to be a good communicator. You need to be able to advocate for yourself. You need to be able to be self-actualized and take care of yourself. It's not like you have to fix this for me. It's like, no, I am a sexual being and you can compliment my sexuality, but I, you are not, you are not responsible for my sexuality and I'm not responsible for yours. We are responsible for ourselves and we can add. So that's that add subtracting I was talking about earlier. Like if you have a partner that's subtracting bad, 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 but like a partner that's adding, like you already come as a whole person that's sexual and vibrant and like wild and you have your language and they have it. And you guys just like add this crazy chemistry that's like, it's like, that's my explosion sound. It didn't sound like an explosion, but to me it did. (laughs) And, And that's the reality is that when, when you approach sex in relationships like that, then you can have great sex because it's not this push and pull of like, I need sex because you're not doing it. It's like, no, I'm a sexual person. I do need sexual interaction, but you know what? Whether you're there or not to do it, I will take care of myself. And yeah, sometimes you can attitude. add to my sexual style if you like. Oh, that's a good approach. You see how flirty that is? Like, you want to have sex with me now. You know it. Like, it's just like, oh, that's so hot. But it's not hot when somebody is like, I need you. I can't have sex. I can't just do this myself. Like, have you ever heard of resentful? Like, okay, hold on. First, I coined this so you didn't hear about it. Like, resentful masturbating. Like, when people are just like, (laughs) yeah, I'm doing this because you won't do it. That's not, that's not. That's not sexy. That's that's like that's, <laughs> that's attracting. That's, that's attracting. Yeah, no, right. it's like, but it's very different if it's like, mm, I'm taking care of myself. Do you want right. to join me? It's like, right. whoa, that adds. There's a difference. And like that's yeah. big difference. There's just a big difference between if you're adding to a relationship or subtracting from it. And I just, I don't know. I've been on this subtraction kick for like all week. So <laughs> thinking hard on this. Processing through some things. And I'm not talking no. about a hard on. I'm just processing. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but again, I think it's it comes from perspective and point of view, right? Mm-hmm. The guy that's like, you know, angrily jerking himself off because you said no. Mm-hmm. He's He thinks you are the one that he has to, you have to be the vessel for him to, you know, come in, right? Well, he he's trying to make you feel guilty. Well, right, but there's, right? but he, he could, he... 
he doesn't he doesn't think he thinks sex is penis and vagina. Let's just say that, right? Because and, yeah, and bring it said, down easy, I guess. <laughs> and you said and you said no, or she said no, or whatever. And so now he's angry that that his outlet is not there for him. But he's gonna. Well, he's sex is supposed to be an outlet, like you plug in. <laughs> like, right. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> No, sex isn't an outlet. Sex is an right. interaction and exchange. It, it should be, right? I'm just, right. But I would think for a lot of people who haven't, now. who haven't had the, uh, the um, uh, luxury of listening to your podcast or, you know, uh, things of that nature, they, you know, they come from the fact that it's, okay, you know, for, sex is, I ha- I have, how I'm sorry. Here I'm in, like my brain is going boom, boom, boom. I, I have know. Had, I just blew you up. It's blew me up again. exciting. I but love it. It's an outlet, or I mean, I remember one interaction with a with a man, and um, he was quite angry when I did. Like I liked, I took all mine. I took it all. You know, I was like, oh yeah, go ahead. I, I'm happy. I I got mine from you. But there was, I did not want to give. I was not in the mood to give back or to take care of him or anything like that. And, and he was definitely angry that I left him with blue balls or whatever, you know? And because, and I was like, well, you could have taken care of that yourself, you know, but it, uh, granted it wasn't a relationship that was a long living, long lived relationship or anything like that. But, um, but there was definitely a disconnect in the comfort, in the communication. Um, and, but he, if my, and I, I'm not a sociologist or anything like that, but I play one. I you my play one on TV <laughs> on, on, on my podcast. But my perception of what he felt my body was there for was the outlet to for him to get off, right? To get that to empty those balls, to release it, right? Mm-hmm. And I did not let that happen. Well, and let's be, let's even go into that for a second because there's this situation where, so I think women feel like it's normal to just give a blowjob and that that can be okay. We, we've been raised to kind of think, yeah, yeah you can just please him. Like, I don't want to do it. Let's just please him. But right. like, I, like, this is the first relationship I've ever been in where he's like, actually, I just wanted to please you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like yeah. he like he was like no i was actually just gonna pleasure you and then i got other things to do and i was like wow yeah happened here but i love you so much yeah, yeah but yeah. it's true like it's it's, <sighs> it's it's very socially it's way more common for you know the men to get taken care of and and yeah part we're giving them a blowjob we're giving a hand job i mean yeah, yeah. Like, it's like can you just all right let's take care of you but so even you don't get just, pissed with me even just <laughs> in sex too like it's not right. uncommon for them to get off and us not and it, that's just it's just is what it is that's we're hard it is. right and a that's <laughs> yeah right right so the idea of just getting us our pleasure and then them <laughs> moving on, that is a much less common. It was a mind blowing experience. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I just kind of want to go down He's on a you and make you feel good. And then I was just going to go cause I need to go get my kid. And I was like, know where to put my hands. <laughs> cause that's, yeah. I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let this happen, but I'm going to process. Like, you know how you got broken a couple of times in the show? I was just like, yeah. oh, 
I don't know what yeah. to do, but this is awesome. And that's what I think is a good partner. And I don't care if it's male or female. I think sometimes sex can just be about the pleasuring of one person and it just be a fun experience. Cause like, even when I pleasure my partner, it's like some of what I get is just like poking around at him and like seeing if I can control him in some way, or he gets, he gets tweaking this if his way, leg or this starts, way. You know, like yeah. starts shaking when you, when you start scratching his side, like yeah. the dog. Exactly. Oh, but you know, what? women do that too. Like if you <laughs> tweak her that way, she'll be like, ah, I had one lover <laughs> who said he was like, if her legs aren't shaking, you ain't doing it right. And I was like, that wasn't this partner, but it's still, it's similar thought where it's like, wow, I didn't know men made this about us. This is so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, well, you know, what would, what would be awesome is for everybody to have, um, to be connected with partners that made their legs shake. Well, you maybe know? we yeah, all it's... should become partners that can make legs shake. Like that's oh, what I'm saying. Wow. So I think we should yeah. all become whole people who can become sexy hot partners who make people's legs shakes. And then if everybody's like that, then look, the shake, the legs are shaking all across the world. And that's my agenda. Well, and <laughs> when the legs are shaking all across the world, that's emanating out blushing cheeks and lovely. Oh, I know. And we're so and pretty and we're so and happy. And that just goes out into the universe and ripples out further and further and further. And everybody is happy. The ripple effect I think, of the orgasm. I love it. I'm not, I'm not, definitely not trying to like take us to another section at all. Cause I know we need to wrap this up, but yeah, I think <laughs> the problem with what's happening in our world right now is people are not having enough orgasms. I agree. They're not, they need to be doing more. They need to have people more do orgasms. relax more afterwards. Yeah. I say that men hold all their stress in their penises, but I think women hold their stress in their vaginas too. You know, now that I'm like becoming more sure. global, it's like, actually yeah. we have a lot of stress in these genital areas. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, our listeners, if you, you know, want to help with the the world and and just start having an orgasm a day that, you know, just start. Oh my God. You just orgasm a a task, a quest, a quest for, uh, you know, on clearly speaking the podcast to accept it. (laughs) (laughs) We always like, you know, I, I, I think I would be really happy to know that all of our listeners are having orgasms every single day. You know, because that would, that just sends out even more love and happiness out into the world. But uh, Angela, what an absolutely uh, wonderful time having you here on the show with us today. Um, Yes. And how can our our guests find you? Oh, two ways. Well, multiple ways, but the two most important are my website, www.therapistinsaintlouis.com. And then my podcast, www.aboutsexpodcast.com. Fantastic. We'll have those links in our show notes too. Yes. And we'll also be sharing our episode with you that we did on Mm -hmm. Angela's show. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. They'll get to learn even more about us, Emily. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Things you weren't prepared to share. (laughs) Not so, not so soon in our relationship with everybody. I, you know, I was like maybe waiting, like, you know, see my dating style has been like, look, this is who I am. I do this and this, do you like it or not? Cause it's not going to work if you don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I can't really. Yeah. Um, when I, try to date and I say I have a podcast and literally speaking the podcast, they're like, hmm, maybe, you know, it's yeah. like, that's okay. That's fine. I'm we'll going to talk some about dating you. notes. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk about you anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's what, how it goes. It's true. It's true. But it was awesome having you on the yeah. show. Yes, uh, it was really lovely. When this pandemic is over and we can all hang out in real life, oh, let's uh, definitely wait. get together. All right. Cheers to Cheers. you. Cheers. Cheers. It was great guys. Thank you. Thank you.
thank you for joining us and listening to that awesome episode. And of course, you know that you can find me at www.therapistinstlouis.com and www.aboutsexpodcast.com. Thank you again for joining in and listening to the Clitorally Speaking Podcast episode. And stay kinky, St. Louis.